What's up, everybody? How is it going in the internet wrestling community and all over the world wide web? It is me. It is me. The big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, kicking it with you on another edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. And of course, as always, brought to you by the great folks at Heel Turn Wrestling. And uh, it's going to be a, kind of a short show today, a little later than uh, usual, but you know, I'm here, I'm alive, where am I? I'm, of course, down here talking wrestling in my basement. And it's great to have you guys aboard on the show today. Don't know why I look like I am, uh, you know, in a cellar somewhere. Actually, pretty accurate because, I, like I just told you, I kind of am. So, um, anyway, we've got a uh, lot to talk to you about today, um, about injuries. We will uh, go over the results of UFC 280. I didn't, uh, didn't catch that last night, but I do have results for you because I want to keep you guys abreast as well as me and plus. We will talk about Halloween Havoc. So uh, that's all going on the show today. And of course, if you want to be part of the show, then please, by all means, go right ahead and like, share, subscribe, getting new likes, new followers every day. And I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart. I really love it when uh, you help the show grow. I love seeing it on uh, Twitter and other social media outlets that I'm on as well. As a matter of fact, you can catch me outside. How about that? And you can also catch the Heal and Face podcast on all uh, your favorite social media platforms. Also, you can listen to the dulcet tones of my voice while you were driving to work, while you were getting ready for the day, getting the kids ready for school, winding down at night before prayers, whatever it is you do. If you want to be entertained by my constant witticisms and musings about the world of professional wrestling, then you can also find me on your favorite audio podcast streaming service. So that's where we are right now. I appreciate you guys joining me, and that is how you get a hold of me. Of course, you can also do what the crawl says. Not only can you follow me at Heel and Face, but you can also follow Heel Turn Wrestling at HT Wrestling 316 on Facebook. Again, that is HT Wrestling 316 on Facebook. Okay. Well. Let's just get just I, I I originally just wanted to do Halloween Havoc, then take a break and then talk the news. But you know what? I just want to rip this Band-Aid off. I'm pulling an audible on my own show and I'm just going to just go ahead and put it out there and just say it. And again, as I've been telling you, I refuse to give this company my time anymore just because my time is valuable to me and I have other things that I need to, to talk about, but it just seems like everything this company does, every step that it takes, every move that it makes, 
we have to talk about it on the show. So I said in the past, unless there was some burning news, burning issue that had to be discussed, I would no longer be following AEW. But this stuff writes itself, everybody. And yeah, okay, you can call me an AEW hater. I'm definitely not a WWE stan, even though it might seem that way. But let's just go ahead and talk about it. Adam Page suffers a concussion during a match against AEW champion John Moxley. And I've seen the bump, right? I've seen uh, what happened. It was coming out of a turnbuckle. It's one of those power turnbuckle moves that these guys just absolutely love to do where John Moxley uh, was set up in the, you know, thrown into the ring post and he was good. He bounced right off and into uh, a clothesline, a violent clothesline into Adam Page. And Adam Page takes a kind of a weird, awkward bump, which I will get into in a minute. And as he's falling, he bangs his head off of the canvas and knocks himself out. So as snake bitten as Adam Page has been in his career, especially his short time in AEW, he can't get out of his own way. And unfortunately he's injured again. And I am not wishing ill on Adam page. I want to be very abundantly clear that I am not, um, hoping for his demise or anything like that. I just, I don't know what to really say other than first of all get better get well concussions are no joke the match was stopped due to doctor stoppage which is a nice way to put it uh referee stoppage doctor stoppage uh makes it sound illegal uh, sound more legal makes it sound more important and of course paul turner being a professional he was the one that was able to recognize that Adam Page was out and just immediately just called for uh, called for the ring doctor. Um, what he should have done is he should have just stopped the match. She's been a referee stoppage. I mean, because it's obvious that Adam Page was injured. And I wish him speedy recovery. Concussions are no joke. I don't know how many he's had. I'm sure he's had quite a few in his young career. And I would strongly advise, like I would any football player or any or boxer, or MMA artist, anybody who's gotten uh, multiple concussions, I would recommend them to, uh, to seriously consider retiring. Um, I don't know how many that uh, Tua Tungavailoa suffered. Um, I, don't, I think he may have had one significant one in college. And then he's had uh, one significant one two weeks ago playing football for the Dolphins. So I 
would strongly probably at this point suggest that uh, to uh, consider uh, retiring from football. I mean, he made money, so that I don't think is the issue. But back to Adam Page, who's making significantly less money than Tua Tagovailoa is, is now out, and uh, he tweeted and he said that he's okay, but still. I am going to kind of be a jerk on this one. I'm going to hashtag it, am I the a-hole on this one, especially when I put this out on Twitter uh, later on today. Just like the comedian Action Jackson says, I'm on your ass. So if you look at the video, again, I'm going by empirical proof from the video. A bunch of bad things happened that caused an ultimate bad thing to happen. First of all, John Moxley isn't the crispest wrestler in the profession. Um, he's probably closer to the Nasty Boys than he is to Bret Hart. And in doing so, he tends to be work a little sloppier than normal, which you're going to have to take that risk. It's like in the old days when some of the guys in the back would see the uh, booker on the big board, write Who's doing what? Who's, who's with who? And uh, your name was next to Bruiser Brody. Or for that matter, WWE, when your name was next against Kali or someone horribly sloppy and green and untrained or Ryback for that matter. Kind of the same thing with Moxley. If you're paired up against him that night, you know that you're going to have a long night and you, you just want to hold on for as long as you're in there in the ring with him and survive. We, we get that. We get that. So there's that's that's the given. But the other thing that irks me again is can you just take a flat back bump? Why does everything have to be so ridiculously difficult? Why do you have to overemphasize and overdo a move that you know is probably not the safest anyway? Why overcomplicate things? Why make things harder on yourself? And why put yourself in more danger by trying to do a quote-unquote cool move than by just doing what the job requires? It's happening so often in general in society today that, you know, you, you guys, you kids with your rock and roll music, you guys use the phrase uh, being extra. It's like, why are you being extra? You're being so extra in everything we do in society these days. And I don't want to sound too political. And of course, I'm coming off as old man on your porch yelling at kids to get off his lawn slash uh, retired Southern independent promoter and booker, former manager, 
But the whole goal for wrestling is to make an athletic contest look convincing enough as a struggle and yet be able to survive without seriously injuring or harming someone. That's the magic of pro wrestling right there. It's not getting the pops. It's not getting the crowd to overly react. It's not all the cool stuff that you can do, getting your stuff in. It's not any of that. It's can you do something and create the illusion of what it is or what it's supposed to be without killing each other? And I'll get into the art of pro wrestling a little bit later, but to be specific right now, just to focus on this, I know it's going to come off as you guys think that I'm just trashing Adam Page and I think he stinks and AEW stinks and how dare you trash him because he's injured. If you saw the bump that he took, it's that indie-rific rolling shoulder sideways. I'm going to get a head start on a half gainer. So when he hits me, I can use that momentum to flip inside out. Can we stop? Can we pause that for a while? Can we just have a boring old flat back bump that doesn't really hurt anybody? And of course, I've never taken one. I'm just a guy talking about wrestling in my basement. But it seems to me that over the hundreds of years of perfecting the sport, the exhibition of professional wrestling, that people have figured out a safe way to take a hit. Taz famously once said that he's so good at wrestling, he's so good at bumping, that if he slips on a banana peel in the supermarket, then he knows how to land properly so he doesn't get hurt. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt and I'm not saying you can't get injured and I'm not saying that the flat back bump is the safest thing to do in the ring. I'm, but I am in a way because it's the, the one thing that everybody knows how to do that everybody can get right back up from, you know, like I said, like they say, it's not ballet. Of course it ain't ballet, but just doing a normal bump is sufficient enough to sell a raging clothesline that you know is probably going to be off the mark, a little sloppy, and not completely uh, beneficial. So why take it? So why take that unnecessary risk? Why take a bump like that? Because it looks cool, because you're trying to impress somebody, because you're trying to add some type of mystical gravitas to the situation that you want to make it look like, oh my gosh, John Moxley killed me with that clothesline. Well, guess what? He darn near did kill you with that clothesline because you want to make it look pretty. I preach to my students all the time. Substance over style. Steak instead of sizzle. I tell my students all the time that I would much rather see a boring black and white PowerPoint presentation given to me with all of the relevant information in a concise manner that I can engage with and learn something from than I can if I have 
50 different backgrounds and slides going everywhere and graphics and fly in and fly out and magical things and nothing on there communicated effectively on a slideshow presentation on a PowerPoint presentation. If I see a bunch of things flying around and over quotes and distractions, it's not a good presentation. I tell my students time and time again, I prefer substance over style. And I'm sorry, but that bump came off as style over substance. And it ended up in a bad situation. It ended up with Adam Page hurting himself. I mean, I shouldn't say hurting himself. Adam Page getting hurt. Now, AEW is coming out, and they're not saying that John Moxley knocked him out. They're twisting it and saying that Adam Page uh, was injured during the match. So they're downplaying the fact that even they think that that clothesline from Moxley was a little suspicious. So if they're downplaying it, then what are we to think, right? Thank goodness it wasn't someone like Aubrey Edwards or Rick Knox or anybody else back there who's a referee full-time at AEW who is randomly clueless to life. Um, heck, if it was Aubrey Edwards, she might have actually bumped it along with Paige. But thankfully, there was a professional referee in who's had experience, who knows what he's doing who was able to make the decision. Again, the only other thing is I would have just completely stopped it and just would have said ref stoppage. But I guess it's nice to know that the ring doctor was there. I mean, what does that say about the style of match? What does that say about what they're doing in AEW that they insist that the ring doctor be physically at ringside? I know some places have it for show. Like, I don't think either New Japan or All Japan, I think, used to have a ring doctor or still have a ring doctor at ringside to look. And I know boxing does has ring, have ring doctors ringside and that kind of thing. But um, by and large, pro wrestling's never needed one because they've never really had this happen, that guys are not specifically trying to maim each other in the ring. Or if not, actually – wrestle sloppy or wrestle, uh, you know, in a, in a manner, in a style that's going to create more opportunities for them to be injured. Now, I will say that Adam Page didn't deserve it, and it was, by and large, a fluke, the way his head bounced off of the canvas like that. But again... A flat back bump, or not even that, just staggering backwards and falling on your butt would have been way safer than trying to do some super cool flippy-do gainer like Rikishi used to do when you're selling a massive clothesline, especially from a guy who isn't the most accurate at throwing them. If there were only somebody in the back 
someone, a veteran who could advise Adam Page on things like that, on how to take bumps and when to take them and when not to take them. But as we know, Adam Page wouldn't listen to them anyway. All right, well, that's my little diatribe against AEW this week, even though I keep insisting that I'm not going to talk about them anymore. They, just like uh, Michael Corleone in The Godfather 3, every time I want out, they drag me back in. And every time I'm done specifically addressing AEW, AEW does something completely stupid to where it's undeniably that I have to address it. Um, it's almost as if BetMGM or DraftKings or Las Vegas or someone should start putting bets on what kind of crazy thing is going to happen to AEW. Like, what are the odds? I would put two to one at least on next week AEW having another major story coming out that's negative about the company. Because of the streak they're going, it would definitely happen. And uh, in fact, Vegas probably lose money on that. Cool. All right. Well, one thing that Vegas has been really good with booking and giving decent odds on are something that you can predict. When combat sports combatants are actually supposed to be hitting each other for real and how the environment is controlled. And even though it's hyper-violent, it's still relatively a safe, uh, safe fighting environment. Everything's even, everyone's equally matched. And of course, you know it, I'm talking about UFC. So let's just go, um, to UFC very quickly. Again, there was so much going on last night in sports, and I'm kind of cheap, so I wasn't able to um, get uh, to watch it live. Had things been differently, I would have probably gone somewhere, but I just wasn't available. And of course, just like my buddy tells me, every time there is a really good UFC pay-per-view, we're either broke or we just don't go. But every time it's meh or so-so, we're right on top of it. So a uh, very good UFC 280 from what I heard. It was pretty stacked. Um, just going from the main event, because there are just way too many good matches again, uh, that that, that – uh, to report about, but let's just go to some people that you might know. Um, Sean O'Malley, one of my favorites, defeated Peter Yan by split decision. Everyone says that's the match of the night, if not probably of the year. There was a co-main event with uh, Aljamain Sterling beat uh, TJ Dillashaw to retain his uh, Bantamweight belt. 
And the main event was Islam Makachev beating uh, Chris Oliveria, or Charles Oliveria, I should say, I'm sorry, by submission in round two. Um, all in all, that it, from what I've been reading and what I've been uh, hearing from people, um, top to bottom, the card was fantastic. Um, O'Malley was on his game at the beginning of his match and came through. Uh, Jan uh, kind of uh, weathered some early storms from Mally, O'Malley and uh, made things last a little longer. Kind of kicked in his own game plan and uh, took over at some point in some of the matches or some of the rounds, one of the rounds. Ben O'Malley just kind of came back and continued to strike and continued to uh, overpower Jan, but in a split decision, O'Malley wins. So um, he's been one of my favorites for a long time now. Everybody loves him. It's, He's got a great personality and uh, he's undefeated right now. So that's a big, that's big for him. Hopefully he'll be in the um, strawweight, I think, flyweight, one of them, uh, uh, championship hunts very soon. So, um, and then Aljamain Sterling, like I said, uh, retained his Bantamweight championship, uh, stopping TJ Dillashaw. Uh, Sterling was in control most of the entire uh, bout then in the second round um, he got Dillashaw in compromise and rained down strikes and he got a technical knockout at 344 in round two Then, of course, the, the main event, uh, Islam Makhachev defeats Charles Oliveira. Oliveira, sorry, um, with an arm triangle choke. So, highly entertaining from what I've gathered. Just reporting it, didn't see it. Might go back and look at some of it today. Who knows? But... Just a short little report on UFC 280 just to keep you guys up, keep you guys abreast of what's going on. All right. Well, I'm going to take a brief breath break, as I like to do. And when we come back, we will discuss Halloween Havoc and talk about how it went last night. I did get to see that. And then how... Um, there's a nice little setup, nice little palette, teaser, nice little hors d'oeuvre for Crown Jewel in two weeks. You are listening to and or watching the Heel and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. We'll be back in a few. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for hanging in there. 
It's me, it's me, the big old CBC, Steve Castellanovo, here with you on another edition of the Heal and Face podcast. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate the time that you spend with me on Sundays talking pro wrestling. And if you would love to interact with the show, please, by all means, do so. I check the comments uh, pretty frequently throughout the show. And of course, if you don't catch me here with a comment, I'm definitely scouring the heel turn wrestling side for comments as well. So please try to uh, go to both places if you want uh, something to say, if you need to say something, if you want to join in on anything that I have to say about uh, the week of professional wrestling. So good news. The week of professional wrestling ended with an NXT pay-per-view. So that generally uh, makes uh, things kind of go in a, in a great direction and yes i understand i've been critical lately of nxt2 especially with the uh unmitigated failure of nxt 2.0 and how vince and bruce were trying to shape nxt into basically a mini version of raw and smackdown and i'm glad uh, that failed and people recognize now what nxt is and was and continue uh, going back to the roots of what made NXT great in the first place. So uh, let's go there, shall we? And let's talk about Halloween Havoc. Um, so my, my impressions of it were, again, a nice little pay-per-view to have right before uh, uh, Crown Jewel. It's something to throw in so the guys who are stateside can do something. Uh, I also do enjoy, I cannot lie, I love when that they're taking the old names of the WWE pay-per-view or WCW pay-per-views and giving them to NXT because they own the names for them anyway, and they might as well use them. They might as well get some line, uh, some uh, mileage out of them. So why not? So, you know, it was entertaining. Uh, I think it was a little overhyped, especially the, Kind of the middle matches, I, I see why they put the middle matches in where they put them. I was uh, shocked to see, of all people, Dave LaGreca in the uh, Halloween Havoc uh, pregame show. I didn't realize he was that close. Or, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, if. Uh, Sam Roberts is there, which he was there holding his belt. And, you know, Bully Ray's not on the outs with WWE. And I wouldn't think Tommy Dreamer or anybody else who shows up on the show. Maybe Mark Henry's a little bit on the outs on, on Busted Radio. But other than that, you know, the guys that are there, um, they're not particularly beefing with WWE or Triple H in particular. So busted open and kind of makes sense that they showed up, but I was really shocked that 
Dave LaGreca does, because even though, you know, he's pretty impartial, he does, he doesn't tend to make WWE, I don't think, his number one promotion. He tries to like all of it. So, uh, but yeah, it's shocking to see Dave LaGreca there uh, at the Performance Center and uh, firing off the pregame show. That was, that was, that was nice to see. But yeah, let's get to the action then. So we had the uh, scare way to hell match because they can't say highway to hell because one, they'd probably owe ACDC a ton of money and two, probably want to keep this PG-13. So it was a scare way to hell match uh, for the uh, for the North American title. Um and, of course, there's a ladder match because that's what you have to have now. It's a foregone conclusion. From now until perpetuity, we must have a ladder match on an NXT pay-per-view. Um, this one kind of felt a little forced, some unnecessary bumping. The guys in the match, however, fantastic, solid. Nathan Frazier is over like Rover Daddy, and he got probably the loudest pops of the night until the finish uh von wagner coming out with the uh with the white guy double braids just i don't know there's certain people that should pull off braids and white people aren't one of them whatever um also in the match was oro with oro mensa i don't know too much about him other than he was nxt uk they're trying to bring him over uh, and he's not bad, though. I'm not saying that he's garbage or anything. And then Carmelo Hayes with Trick Daddy, you know, running interference, obviously. Um, there were some, uh, of course, the high spots of every ladder match, right? People falling off, people uh, doing their uh, moves on them, sentons and splashes and whatnot. Uh, the one, I think, uh, that broke the ladder was 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 pretty painful looking um i believe von wagner was the recipient of that i'm not sure if it was wes lee or if it was carmelo hayes or someone but whoever was on uh whoever performed the move uh that the ladder broke that was that was pretty good pretty ouchy um von wagner pulling his best uh, bubba ray dudley impersonation speaking of bubba ray and uh yeeting Wesley a la Spike Dudley on the announce table. And as that happened, other than the fact that I hope Wesley's not dead, it came through my mind. I, I actually thought, why haven't people done more of that? I mean, maybe it's because it's a special spot and maybe it's because they don't want to blow it. And there's only certain people who can do that. I just kind of assumed why wrestlers didn't do that to each other more often and not just trying to launch them into the announce table or launch them into the third row of the seats. But, you know, well, why haven't wrestlers ever like just gorilla slammed guys and just drop them <laughs> uh, 14 feet in the air or whatever down to the mat? I mean, I'm sure there's a safety issue and, and all that, but I mean, it would make more sense to do that to guys. Uh, as we know, Wesley got the opportunity when Sola Sokoa was recruited. Well, he had to give up the belt and uh, 
and recruited back to into SmackDown. So there you go. Uh, Robert Stone took a ridiculous bump. I thought that he died. He's fine, by the way. Uh, and the end was really exciting. So, you know, again, ladder matches in NXT, Bueno. Uh, the fact that Wesley won got a really nice pop from the end of the crowd. Uh, the You Deserve It chant, which he does kind of deserve it because he has been through a lot of stuff. He's been through things. He's been through it. He obviously with the loss of his uh, friend slash uh, tag team partner to um, uh, half wokeism, half stupid stuff that he did on his own. Uh, that was definitely part of it. And I hope that they can bring uh, – Nash Carter back soon at some point. It would be nice to see. Um, but he's probably he's probably not going to be back anytime soon. So it's going to be Wesley, the North American champ for a while. So good for him. Nicely done, sir. Um, all right. Next match. Um... I honestly have not been following the storyline of this in particular. I know it has something to do with um, Paulo Cruz is some type of prophet now, like because we can't have a regular uh, thing for a wrestler to do. So he's some type of, I don't know, visionary, and he's had some vision that Grayson Waller was going to meet a very, uh, a very specific end to the match. That's right, kids. It's a it was a casket match, and Apollo Cruz's uh, his vision was that he was going to be slamming the casket shut on Grayson Waller, and his vision came true. Um, they did a lot of good things with the uh, teasing of the the casket. They actually broke it. They actually crashed through it and kind of. Uh, splintered it a little bit, so it's kind of like, oh no, are they going to be able to use it or not? Remember, Chekhov's gun, anything that's used in a match better be used for the rest of the match. So the casket was still there, and the suspicion of, oh man, is this casket going to be usable or not? Um, Waller almost won that one. But, of course, the Druids, who've been locked in the uh, WWE storage facility and archive facility for probably 25 years, got dusted off, and they came back with a new, fresh casket. Then uh, Waller goes on the offensive, uh, hit a stunner, and gloated about it, sent Cruz into the open casket, but uh, Cruz cruised up, hulked up, whatever you want to call it, and got Waller into the uh, in, in, uh, scooped him, slammed him into the casket, and closed it and stood victorious on top. So your winner of the casket match was Apollo Cruz. Um, in the back, we start to see little vignettes, which actually was entertained because, again, you can't have a Halloween Havoc without a vignette, right? So uh, 
it was Toxic Attraction who were called out by Alba Fire saying, uh, you know, um, I've met you on your terms. Now you meet me on mine. And it was abandoned, spooky, haunted house. Ooh, right. Uh, but this was actually entertaining because you got to see a little bit of Toxic Attraction's personality shine through in this. Uh, was pretty funny. Um, you know, of course, Mandy trying to enforce the, the rules because she's the leader of Toxic Attraction. And, you know, she's, well, I'm going to go anyway. And, you know, JC says it's uh, not a good idea. Uh, Gigi Dolan actually is looking forward to it because as we find out, she loves Halloween and loves haunted houses. So the funny part of the vignettes was JC, Jace apologizing to, uh, uh, to Alba and saying that I didn't mean the things that he did. Can we be friends? Which again, fits the personalities, right? Because even though together they make toxic attraction, like they still have really strong personalities, um, which made the vignette more comical. And then of course, JC was, uh, Scared more easily, and then Alba came and got her, and 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 uh, threw her into um, a freezer, I think. Uh, then, of course, uh, Gigi Dolan, who loves Halloween, hung out with some people, with some some of her favorite zombie friends, uh, until she was jumped as well from behind. Uh, got rid of her too. Um, so while again, Jace, the, 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 the balance is JC didn't want to be there. She advised against it and, uh, she got snatched up and then Gigi Dolan, uh, loves it and got snatched up. So two different personalities coming through from, uh, one tag team. And I think that's great. Um, gave the opportunity for, uh, Alba fire to jump Mandy Rose, uh, and throw her in the car to drive back to the performance center leaving the rest of Toxic Attraction kind of laying sprawled in the front yard. And then we just cut to be continued. Now, action in the ring, by the way, with Roxy Perez defeating Cora Jade in a weapons wild match where, um, again, they played up the, the friendship and I hate you and all that kind of thing. Um, they used a submission amount, a sufficient amount of weapons on each other, but the one big bump which i didn't understand at all if you're gonna hurt somebody like what i don't know it's the i guess this is the holdover from extreme wrestling and hardcore wrestling and whatever but um at the end of the match um well the end of the match really the ending was um you know doing the big punch out right where roxy was coming strong punch punch Oh, am I going to fall? Am I going to fall? The last moment, uh, Cora Jade, please don't do anything. Please don't. Please don't. Um, Roxy has a moment of hesitation. But then she snatches, then she ducks behind, snatches her, and puts her into a, like, Russian leg sweep where they both fall. Now, I'm not sure if that's one of her finishing maneuvers or whatever. It could possibly be. Uh, but, uh that just looked way unnecessary. It looked dumb. So, um, I don't know what the purpose was of that. And even, I guess, you know, to say I'm willing to harm myself if it comes to it, I'm willing to destroy myself to try to destroy you in the process. Okay. That's fine. Whatever. 
Uh, they make it back to the ring. Cora uh, starts launching chairs in. Cora's uh, going to finish Roxy on the chairs, but uh, her move backfired, and then Roxy um, uh, suplexed her into the chairs and uh, actually hit pop rocks on her in the chairs. Uh, and then one, two, three, your winner, Roxy Perez. Uh, now, the match that was kind of meant to me, the last one uh, that was meant to me, or the only one, was the ambulance match. That I really didn't really didn't need it. I mean, good for these guys. It's really tough to do a match like this when you don't have a whole lot of experience in wrestling. But, of course, with Shawn Michaels and Jeremy Borash and Road Dogg and everybody else back there, talking them through it. Um, it looked pretty effortless. They're pretty good. Like Julius Creed and Damon Kemp were good last night. They did the best they could with the props that they had. Uh, they had to hit all the notes, right? Every uh, match has to have some type of fire extinguisher. Every, you know, it got boring and repetitive when they get, kept going back toward the ambulance. I don't remember an ambulance match where they were always like going towards it. Um, the one that I remember in particular was like with JBL in it. And they only went toward the ambulance one, twice, I think. Once during the match, we tried to put the Undertaker away or some, some or Kane away or whatever. And then uh, they went back, they, they went back and they came back and the ambulance was obviously the finish. But they must have come back into the two or three times. Um, uh, like Julius Creed, uh, uh, just randomly throwing stuff at Damon Kemp. Like he even came to the ring. He threw, he threw the the fake prop pumpkins at Damon Kemp. He could have. I mean, his hands are huge. He probably could have just hucked a real one. But you don't want to do that because that's messy, I guess. So after that distraction, then Julius just climbs up to the top rope and hits Damon Kemp uh, with a. Uh, uh, folding chair assisted uh, drop kick, like John Woo shotgun drop kick. Uh, so the match, um, you know, they went where they went. They hit all the spots. They did what they were supposed to do, and then they got out of the match. It didn't really feel like it was any desperation. It didn't feel like that there was uh, any urgency. Like this wasn't really life or death. This wasn't like, oh, my gosh, they're going to kill each other. Um, it just kind of was like a brawl. It was a brawl, and it was fine. There was one part that I didn't, you know, what I didn't dig. I didn't dig smashing Julius's fingers into the door when he tried to shut the door. Um, but you know, other than that, it was okay. It's okay. It was fine. Um, the continuation of the vignettes was next. Mandy Rose was being dragged to the ring by Alba Fire to finish it in the ring. But um, they did have a pretty intense match for about 10 minutes. My thing is, if I like vignettes. I, I'm one of the few people that enjoys the vignettes. If you set that whole thing up for Alba Fire to get the advantage, why do you completely blow it when you get in the ring? Like, what, what purpose would that serve? I mean, I'm not even sure if Alba Fire would have won the match or they would have given her the belt. It would have been smart to if, if they would have uh, given her the belt. But to do all that 
And then to have Mandy not only come back but have solid offense doesn't make sense to me. It just took away from the whole mystery of the vignette. It should have been where Abba just comes in and just basically wipes the floor for seven and a half minutes with Mandy Rose only to have Toxic Attraction who just are running in, you know, holding their stomachs like they just got there and just interfere the last minute. I mean, that would have made more sense to me than actually having a, a, a match. Alba hit a really nice swanton bomb, but, you know, Toxic Attraction interferes, pulls the referee out. Um, Mandy hits uh, Alba with the gory bomb and then winds her up for, uh, for, for the kiss by a rose. And boom, there you go. So a little frustrating, not not terrible. I don't understand, again, why if you have all that buildup for the vignette, if Alba Fire then comes in and has an evenly laid out match, um, should probably have been more Alba Fire on offense. And then the last like quick roll up shouldn't even been an ending with the Kiss of the Rose. It should have been just like a roll up or a, a t- pull the tights or do something. But there we go. The champ retains. And speaking of champ retains, last thing we have before we go is the uh, three-way match between Braun Breaker, Ilya Dragunov, and J.D. McDonough. I just figured out that that J.D. is short for Jordan Devlin, his former name. Um, Yeah, and that took me... A little while to figure out because I'm not a very large-brained individual sometimes. I can be very small-brained. So, yeah, it is, in fact, Jordan Devlin. This was a pretty hard-hitting match. It was relatively stiff um, unnecessarily. I think those three guys, they're just going to beat the uh, tar out of each other. It's a gentleman's agreement, right? Hey, we're all stiff. We can all wrestle like this, so we're just going to – just uh, wail on each other um, mercilessly. Well, okay. You're going to get your wish. It was actually not not that bad of a match. There was a couple of moves like uh, J, uh, J.D. Um, McDonough had this uh, twisting press from outside in on Ilya. Um, like, but, but the both of them really – like beating the crap out of Braun Breaker and Braun giving it back. Of course, Ilya is not going to back away from that. He's had multiple wars with Walter, now Gunter, so uh, he's not going to back down from any of that. Ilya had a really nice Van Terminator from the uh, other side of the ring that uh, racked both guys. Uh, There was a spot where um, JD was laughing at Ilya and Braun Breaker exchanging blows, and then they stop and turn to JD and he backs him off like a coward. Uh, pretty good stuff. Just a fast, you know, intense match for the NXT championship. Um, Dragonoff hit a couple of uh, torpedoes from Moscow and was going to finish off Breaker for good. But McDonough slid in at the last minute and stopped the referee, actually grabbed his arm to stop him from counting. Um, 
and uh, that which leaned learn uh, which leaned toward Dragonoff setting Breaker up again for Unbezigbar, but Breaker had enough wherewithal to come to at the last minute and uh, you know be aware of where it was, and he was able to turn turn Unbezigbar into a spear. Countered with that, one, two, three, and your winner retaining the NXT Championship, Braun Breaker. Again, solid match, a lot of violence, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, a lot of intensity. It was fun to watch. Um, at times, a little too stiff, but again, if you have that agreement. And go out there and do it. And these guys are old school enough. Plus, even some of the wrestlers that are advising them in the back, former wrestlers advising them and producing for them in the back, are old school enough to recognize it because real recognizes real, right? My only issue is, again, with champions who are keeping the belt for a long time. I'm not a huge fan of that. You know, Roman Reigns has his... The Usos want to break the New Day streak because of personal and professional jealousy. Um, you know, Mandy Rose has had the NXT Women's Belt for how many millions of years now? It seems like, in general, WWE is holding on to the belts for too long. I don't know if it's because they don't trust the people who are underneath, or is it just because there's new management, now there's new directions for different wrestlers to go, but still, I don't know if I'm a fan. I think this made a, might have been a nice gesture for um, McDonough to win the belt, at least temporarily, to see what he looks like as NXT champion um dragonoff just had the nxt uk championship and lost it and in the merge of the titles so not saying that he wouldn't make a great nxt champion it's just if anything they probably should have given it to mcdonough and just let him kind of roll with it for a while um but didn't work out like that and they like broad breaker and this is not a slight against broad breaker not at all um uh, he's still doing cool stuff as his uncle Scott reminded him. He's just stealing all his stuff. Uh, pulled off a couple of uh, Frankensteiners. Second one um, wasn't successful, I don't think, for him. Um, you know, I'm not saying they're not worthy champions. I'm just saying it is getting a little tedious for some of these guys to hold on to the belts as long as they are. So, uh, again, overall, a nice palate cleanser slash hors d'oeuvre to get you a little more hungry for crown jewel which is coming in two weeks and already the buzz is out there wwe is doing what wwe do and logan paul is now being uh featured against roman reigns and if there's any indication on how much of the cultural uh stronghold the wwe still is is a part of my son's best friend who thinks wrestling is stupid now wants to watch logan paul fight roman reigns so there you go that is the whole reason we're doing this the whole reason we're doing it at crown jewel to make it a big noteworthy event coming up 
But uh, you know, Halloween Havoc was good. You should you should uh, give it a watch. All right, well, that's it for me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo this week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me on the show this week. I appreciate all of the love that you show me, all the support, liking the show, sharing it. And, of course, if you're not able to watch live uh, to access the show via your favorite podcast streaming service. Thanks for joining me uh, this week. I'll see you next week with more on the world of professional wrestling you are listening or watching the heel and face podcast or were anyway listening to and or watching the heel and face podcast a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by heel turn wrestling peace